Yes, uh, welcome uh, once again to the continuing adventures of uh, Krizzle and Camilo, a.k.a. Whip Wop Galore. And uh, today um, we have a guest who is uh, who's a lot of things. He's a, he's a, he's a DJ, radio host, uh, photographer, filmmaker. Um yeah, just doing a whole bunch of things. And uh I was I wanted well, I want him because on the show because him him and Camilo uh did a art thing. Um and at some and at some point Camilo will will jump in and to talk more about yeah. that. But let's just start with this dude. Uh <laughs> Uh, risk Drew Edwards, aka Risky Serial. How the hell are you doing? I'm great, man. So, whippity wop boom. What did you say that was? Also whip, known as what was that? Whip wop galore. It's uh, whip wop galore. Okay, it's I a, like that. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a callback to when Keith Murray was, was uh, going on about getting it on with Foxy. Bra- you, you, you haven't seen the, the those clips of. Uh, uh, Keith Murray talking about his times, uh, getting I didn't see him. people. That's yeah. recent when he's talking about it, right? Yeah, and he's literally just yeah, making, I haven't seen. It. He's making up words to describe how it went, like whippity whoppity whop, beepity beep, boop. That you know, and so yeah, so <laughs> that's 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 that was like one of the first things me and Camilo talked about uh, on the on the, on the podcast. Right. I just. And that's my favorite line. I just I I roll with it. Well, you know, you asked me about yeah, what Galore. I've been meaning to find yeah. out uh, where the hell Risky Cereal came from. You want to want to drop some well, time on that? I guess. Yeah, I guess this would be the perfect time to talk about that. All right. So, um, I'm you know give a background from South Central Los Angeles, born in Hollywood, raised South Central, between 36 and Dick and 103rd in St. Andrews. This is my backdrop. Shout out to Sarah High School, shout out to Dicker Park, all of the places, Jesse Owens. But Risky Serial, I uh, I started in doing street promotion, you know, for like, uh, for record companies. You know, I always wanted to be involved in the music industry. I kind of yeah. always happened to be around music people. And I think I'm a musical person myself. I got, a, I got a few rhymes. I never wanted to rap, you know, like I DJ now. I figured I could have did it then. I just got my equipment. My mother didn't buy me needles. Yeah. And I was like, damn, ended up trading my DJ equipment for Nintendo that I never even played, which is really dumb. Anyway, street promotions. I started doing street promo and I learned the marketing game, the promotion game from that level. First off, not being scared to talk to somebody, mm-hmm. you know, it's a certain type of skin you have to get when you out passing out things to people. Some people are going to be really mean, but like with me, it took a few, I kind of knew my rhythm. So after a few of those happened, I didn't care anymore, you know, yeah. anyway. So I did promotions. I see how promotion worked. I see how now, like with uh, all of these corporations, really their promotions and marketing is old school street promotions that they've uh, put a bow on and prettied up. But the idea of it was that. So in doing marketing too, even outside of college, I was like, how can I stain people's brains? You know what I mean? What would be the thing? You know, what, what was, how was I marketed to first? And I had to think about it. If you hear some snoring, that's my dog, too. Uh, how was I marketed to first? I was a um, kid, and um, 
whatever was on the cereal box, I would turn it around and I wanted that, you know, and I figure a lot of other kids had the same thing, you know, the back of the cereal box is what was good. Either something inside or a product that they're marketing. So I said, when I do things, I'm going to, my attempt is to do them like that and sustain a brain. So risky cereal, all that to say that. So risky cereal came from. Yeah, well, interesting. Uh, well, by the way, if 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 any listeners wondering why uh, Risky sounds like this, it's because uh, we were trying to get the audio working mm. over on his end, and he's using audio uh, from his phone. So, so that's you know just 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 putting that out there. But uh, well, first off, like uh, you say, you from South Central. Yeah, I I was over in L.A uh like a year ago and uh i meant to to go over there but you know it was it was a it was a, it was a, a bad weekend for me but uh i i wanted to, you know ever since the whole um you know dr dre's super bowl thing i wanted to check it out see if there's any place like uh you ever used to go to uh tam's burgers is that it yeah yeah i've been to tam's yeah i've been to the tam's a few the different tam's yes so you went to Tams. Did you like Tams? No, I didn't go to Tams. I forgot to go to Tams. I want to see like mm. what what were the what were the South Central haunts for you? Like was was Tams one of them? Mm. No, Tams wasn't one of mine. Uh I think the first thing that would come to mind, I guess being little and like my mother's buying a burger, this Burger Palace. I think it was like on 71st and uh wait, no, Burger Palace is the one on the corner on uh on uh florence and western there was another little place next door to it i don't think it exists anymore mm-hmm. but uh that would be my spot and also golden ox on gage and western you get most of these places are going to be a burger place there now but i don't know if it'll be the same one but if i could think to my most recent dig it was mexican food and it was chabalitas is a spot right there on western between uh venice and uh not Venice, but between um, was that Adams and uh, hmm, Pico, I think, yeah, yeah something like that. But Chabalitas. But I went there and it was whack. Nobody was in line. Me and my wife were like, "Damn, it's usually packed." Then everything I'm asking him for, he didn't have. And my wife was like, "You know what? We are, we're gonna have to leave. So don't try that." But there is a Mexican place, another place, 29th and Figueroa. There's a Mexican food restaurant right in the corner. I can't think of the name, but it's going to stay there because it's right near USC. Everybody goes there, you know, so that'd be a good place to try. Yeah. So did I you heard... find any good food, like any, any hole in the wall, anything? Well, a lot of places I went to, well, before oh, Camilo's on the, you know, finally here in the, the waiting room. Let's, let me, let me pack okay. him in. Uh, it's like, uh, you know, cause I heard that, uh, uh, Kendrick Lamar's favorite place when he was in South Central was uh was Louisiana fried chicken. Mm, and, okay. And I don't know if yeah. you've ever been to Louisiana over here, how or the Louisianas that, that are here, but like how did how do they compare? Um, all right. So in LA, excuse me, I had did have a Louisiana fried chicken I went to. I was young. This high school, you know, right out of high school on uh jefferson and western mm-hmm. so i ate chicken at the time first and foremost and it was a greasy chicken it came with a with a biscuit you usually get it when you kind of fade it that was the reason for going to to louisiana fried chicken 
So I've been to this one here. I bought chicken for my kids, the one that eats chicken before. He liked it. I, I got some fish for myself or something or some fries, something I got from there because they say it's made in cornmeal. And it was good, but I guess what the thing is, I haven't had any, this stuff that they have now is all new stuff. When I was going to Louisiana Fried Chicken, they just had fucking chicken. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Then a little later, it may be some rice and stuff because one of it, like the one on King, was kind of slashed. Uh, chicken place and a Chinese food place. You may have noticed yeah. that. We have a lot of Asian food. Yeah. You know, you go around it. Have you been in a store out there where they sell Asian food, like a liquor store? No, I can't say that I have. No. But we have those. And I, last time I went, I didn't check. But there's a place on Vernon and Hoover. You know, so if you're ever in the neighborhood, Vernon and Hoover in a little shopping, that little little market area. It's a store. They It's a regular store. It's so you can get donuts, and you can get, you used to could get dollar thing, a rice dollar thing of uh, ramen, but more than likely to be a little more expensive. But we had those types. Those are some of the best places, I think. You know, the little hidden places that, you know, most people come in town, they're not going to stop there. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. if you want something quick and easy, that's good and cheap, you can do it. Wow. Just... I, can, I can run on about food in L.A. from there to the, to the bigger, better places. Because I hear people talk you know, everybody talks about food in Houston, but I think we have more mom and pops in L.A., or at least we used yeah. to. Oh, yeah. You know, where you, it wasn't like where you don't, you're not going, even though cost has changed everywhere, but where you're not going to expect to spend like $30. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You can get something and keep it moving. Yeah. Did you go, wait, did you, did you go to Louisiana on, was it, I believe on Fannin or the one that used to be on OST? Because <laughs> the one on Fannin by the bus station, yeah, which is crazy. You see all the people that are over there, man. Yeah, hey, dude, yeah. they have a whole little world happening right there. And now, since that that McDonald's has been torn down over there, I'm pretty sure there's now going to be a lot more people venturing over to the. And when we say people, you know, home, you know, the homeless people. Uh, in in, in downtown and midtown, but like, yeah, they they populate yeah. over there and especially yeah. at that Louisiana, especially Louisiana. It's like you know, and some of those people, because I'm watching, and not that they're homeless, they're just there to commit some type of crime or some type of thing that should not be happening right there. Yeah, you know, either selling dope, prostitution. I've seen it, you know. And, you know, what's interesting, I was talking to uh, someone about the bus station. They were explaining to me how the prison system had a contract with the bus station. That's why it's so grimy right there, because that's where they would bring people and drop them off in prison. Yeah. And some people just get caught up in that circle right there. And it's like, I haven't been to a bus station anywhere. L.A. bus station is, used to be so bad. I sat there before, this is in the 90s, 2000. Mm. and watch somebody's car get broken into the front in front of me with people seeing you in the car. Mm. Like, were you looking like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. there. That place was wild. The only bus station that I've been to that was not wild was Palm Springs. <laughs> Palm Springs, we say. Palm Springs. I got stuck in Palm Springs. I had to catch the bus. Yeah. But uh, that's another story. I mean, bus stations are, are just generally skanky in in i mean where like uh, the the i forget the the name of the famous uh sta- station in new york but the bus station in yeah there's a bus station in new york that's 
that's particular yeah. that's that's, that's like Grand Central or Penn Station. I one of those. Oh, oh, glad to see you come on, come in on the table here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Camilo. I told him you'd have been on time if it wasn't for me. I wasn't in the right place. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I guess we're all here. And uh, we've been just talking about uh, food and stuff, but um, but I think it's now since you uh, since you popped in, Camilo, it's a good time to talk about what you two have collaborated on that uh, recently uh, showed off uh, on Friday at a uh, Project Row Houses here in Houston. Uh, yes, very well known a uh, uh, block of uh, just art spaces. And so, uh, you know, talk, talk about that if you can. Um, yeah, so I had, uh, so I'm a resident of Third Ward and I applied for uh, entry into a cohort of, um, it's like a program for people who, who aren't necessarily, who don't necessarily, or, or starting to consider themselves as artists and want to get involved in the art community and present work uh, in artistic fashion. And so, um, or I think really it was just like, how, how do you make money off of art, right? So I've been trying to figure this out because a lot of the work that like you and I do, Craig, with writing, it's like we do, you know, I, I feel like that's considered an art, you know, freelance writing. Like we're out there pitching stories and we get paid for it. And so the um, yeah. the sort of payment for our efforts is like right there, right? You pitch a story, you get paid, boom. And so trying to figure out how to make that work with art is like, it's a whole other thing for me. So I'm just, I'm trying to figure it out. And I think that was kind of the aim of joining this program. Cause it's like, we'll show you how to make a career out of being yeah. an artist. So I did that. And um, they invite you on like these field trips to like different art institutions. Like you realize how much, you know, art culture is baked into Houston because they got like, you know, Lawndale Art Center and they got, um, I can't remember all of them, but like, well, you guys know, there's a whole bunch. There's like probably like maybe a good half a dozen um, art institutes or or little art organizations that like, you know, show work and help help to to uh, elevate people. I think one of the first artists I met was uh, Brian Ellis, and he was uh he had a work that he was showing at um I always forget the name of it. What's the place on my is that Longdale? What's the place? No, that's not Longdale. What's the place on on uh, on Montrose right right near Texas Art Supply? Uh, is it uh, a Montrose Boulevard? Yeah, I know the place. Uh, yeah, it's right next to it. It's uh, uh, it's like a uh, Art League Houston. Art it's League Houston, yeah, and it's right next to a cafe. They got like a cafe there too. Yeah. So, I um, I remember I met Brian there, and I saw that he was doing something that involved like he had like a uh, a screen door leading into like a living room, and then it was like documentary film. Of uh, like, I guess like just some some grandmas in the neighborhood, and there were all these pictures. So anyway, it started like make sense. So I was like, okay, I see like how you can make art, right? Like out of memory and out of like just like your background. And um, and me and Brian kind of like, hit it off at that point and, and, and became friends. And um, and then I entered, and so I, that that was one of the, one of the pushes to kind of get into this program. So I got to the program. Then they kind of gave us a date. They were like, uh, we're gonna set you up with a mentor. So the first the first mentors they hooked me up with, there were like some some dudes uh, with a with a studio because they, they had never really had like somebody come in. I guess this is what they told me. They said we haven't had anybody come in and be like, I want to do documentary stuff. 
uh, you know, because I'm, I'm a journalist, so like documentary and journalism, they kind of go hand in hand. So that was, that was the way I kind of envisioned it, you know, documentary photography, documentary film. And so at first they had connected me with these two dudes. Um, I forget their names. I don't want to say it anyway, because it just it didn't work out. So I went to go meet with these dudes at, at uh, in like a mid, where was it? Like right right near, um, right near Minute Maid. There's like a bunch of like offices and 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 um, like these little kind of hip little gallery spaces or whatever. So these guys had like a like kind of like this open plan like workshop place that and they had a whole bunch of filming equipment. And so their thing was they did like commercials for the oil industry, and um, and I kind of like you know noticed right away like oh these guys are on like some polished type shit. Like that's not really like you know documentary. Like I'm like you know getting on the ground and, and kind of you know kind of a little more grimy, but like trying to tell true stories. So mm-hmm. we kind of sat down, sat there and talked, and they kind of Q and A'd me like you know what have you done and what's mm-hmm. your website look like and and uh, you know mm-hmm. what are you trying to do? We got six months to do this, and you know what are you what are you trying to do? Like what are you trying to do? And then it seemed like they were in it because they wanted to have a connection to Project Row House, and and mm-hmm. and make it seem like oh we're volunteering. And these weren't like high fluent dudes. I think one guy had been in like maybe worked in finance or management or something. And he he partnered up with this younger guy who was, who was you know, like directed commercials and stuff. And I kind of already knew like, hmm, this don't really feel right. But, you know, I sat there, we spoke. They gave me some seltzer to drink, you know, whatever. And I left their little loft space. And I was like, man, that ain't it. <laughs> so I remember the, the organizer of Project Row House, this lady Liz, who's organizing it. She's like, yo, so how'd it go? And I was like, man, you know, I don't know, like um, those dudes are cool and everything, but I feel like we're on like a different, different kind of, we're on different levels. Like they're, they're, they make commercials for oil industry and they're trying, like one thing they tried to sell me, I was like, oh, we're trying to build a film community in Houston. And I've heard so many people say that, right? Trying, like I've been like trying to do a documentary like three, three or four years now. I hear so many people say, oh, we're trying to build a film community. And usually the people who say that are people who want to build some kind of business where they rent out their equipment. And that's kind of like been been my mm. my uh, uh, experience in dealing with folks out here who are like, yeah, we want to build. Because if you go to like New Orleans, or even maybe even Austin, like there's like legit. Oh my chicken nuggets is ready. Um, there's like legit film communities, man. Like like helping each other. Like mm. I know people who who've gotten projects off the ground because like you know so and so who's a cinematographer lives down the street, and he, yeah, he's cool with like um offering his time to, um, you know, help, help do a reel for somebody, you know, and I know we have that in here, but I feel like at least from my experience, my media experience, most people are like trying to get paid and that's cool. Like most people are like, I'll, I do cinematography. I make music videos, you know, hit me off with some, with some money and, and, and I'll help you out. But I think when you go into like documentary and trying to tell stories, like the money isn't the motivating factor there, you know, and, and even though money is good and we need it, it's it's more about like storytelling, uncovering things, and 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 putting a voice out there. So I knew that that wasn't going to really happen with these guys. And for a while, I was just kind of wondering, like, so what kind of project am I going to do? Like, what's gonna what's gonna happen? And then I feel like I'm getting long winded here just talking. But anyway, I ended up getting connected with Drew, and I had met Drew previously. Uh, yeah. Through another person, uh, what, what's I forget? I always forget her name because I only know her from Instagram, really. Um, what's her name? Yeah, Alicia, Alicia. So Alicia, Alicia, Alicia. Um, yeah, Alicia. Who, who's on Instagram? She's yeah. like Juju something. Yeah, Juju so real. Juju right. so real. 
Alicia, wow. who's a really talented artist and, and, and person in the community, she had invited me uh, just to hang out, just to kick it and meet Drew and um, and his partner on the radio, um, uh, Denise, and they, they run All Real Radio. So um, I remember meeting him and I, we didn't even talk about doing art together, but he showed me his photos and, you know, he's been doing photography and stuff like that for a while. And and yeah, and then just one day the folks in Project Row House were like, hey, I can connect you with, uh, you know, we're going to get Drew to help you. And I was thinking like, OK, cool. And then, you know, and then you we connected. You want me to meet you again, Risky? <laughs> like, yeah, I have a lot of dogs over here. The mailman just came up. So, you know, they oh, kind of lose damn. Oh, damn. Sorry. Right, right. Yeah, but, no, that's the mailman. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to mute and I'm going to move. All right. Just yeah, get. So, OK, so look, so, so I'm, I'm, getting, I'm, getting to, I'm getting to the end now. So, um, so Drew was assigned to be my mentor after this first uh, sort of round of connecting me to somebody didn't work out. And by the time I connected with Drew, I was just like, man, I don't, I, I didn't really know how to make like my documentary idea into like a, an art thing. So I ended up just taking like the next best thing. And I had been doing photos of the Mexican wrestling going on in, in Magnolia Park, probably for like the past year or so um probably a little more than a year and if you if you follow my instagram you'll see like i post this stuff all the time the idea was really just to kind of like get motivation to do an article for the chronicle because i had done a cover story for houston press back in the day on, on local lucha libre and i noticed that the same subjects of that cover story was still doing it so i was like man that's that's the news right there like these dudes you know five six years they're still doing it and it's not the, the people people don't generally pay attention to, to Lucha Libre or anything unless there's like a big movie that comes out or, you know, a big TV show. Cause you had like Robert Rodriguez do it for his, his, uh, his cable channel for a bit. And then it was kind of like making a little noise. And then, um, you know, so it kind of comes in and out of spotlight, but every time you like present it to somebody like, yo, there's like mass wrestlers and transgender people and women, you know, out here doing this wrestling thing just in Spanish for like a group of, of Mexican folks and Latinos. And then most people will be like, oh, wow, really? And they want to know more. And I think right now the moment is coming back because you have um, Sundance, they had a big Lucha Libre film uh, that uh, Gael Garcia Bernal was in um, about mm. the, uh, the, 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 the queer wrestler, uh, Cassandro. And I think Disney Channel had, Disney Channel had a had a show and and also they're doing something where um marvel is now partnering with the mexican wrestling league and there's dudes who are wearing like superhero masks so it's like it's, it's coming back it kind of comes back in waves and i didn't know that when i started it i just i just wanted to document something that kind of like i had my name on already and um and so i had all these photos and we just decided to go with that now, little did i know and i think drew had mentioned it to me before when we first met but like you know, Drew has kids and he has like, you know, Afro-Latino kids, which which like me, you know, folks, you know, got the black culture and Hispanic culture in them. And um, and he had this idea of uh, it eventually ended up being he brought his son and himself. And he said, you know what, because I, I was like, I'm just going to do photos. And then Drew was like, no, nah, we could do it like a little, you know, documentary installation. And he was like, I'm going to come follow you with the event. And, and he brought his son. And, and so it was like his son filming him, filming me. And, um, and it just turned out to be really, really cool, like experience just going there. And I invited a couple of friends who, who hadn't seen it before. And so we went to this little, you know, it's kind of a junky spot, but 
it's 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 where they it's where they put on these events and they put on mainstream events too. I say mainstream in quotes, but it's independent wrestling. They put these on there, and um, and so yeah, the art project came out of that. Came out of photos and video of this spot uh, in Magnolia Park, where uh, they've been doing uh, lucha libre Mexican style wrestling for Spanish speaking audiences for like a you know almost half a decade now, and um and yeah. As a freelancer, as a freelance journalist, you know, like that's 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 my baby right there. That's that's my story. And so I want to make sure I do it justice. So I've done it now in an artistic way. And um, and man, and you know, and Drew, Drew just brought like a whole a whole like different perspective to it because I wasn't gonna do video. And I looked at what he did and I was like, wow. And then we started talking about it, like, man, we could make this into something. And so that's where we are now. Damn, long, yeah, but yeah. Oh, no, that, that's other story. I didn't know that you had met with these other guys before, too. Have they seen it? Have the guys that you met with initially have no, they seen the project? I, you know, they, 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 were, they weren't folks that were really tied into to you know really PRH. I think they were just dudes who were looking to put some on their resume. So no, they haven't seen it, and I don't I don't keep in touch with them. I don't think they're bad guys. I just know that. You know, I'm yeah. not trying to do documentary. I'm I'm sorry. I'm not trying to do corporate documentary, even though I'm open to it right. as, as a job. But yeah. this experience yeah. wasn't really about doing like a corporate polished thing. I think it was more about just like trying to be creative. And I think you came, you came, and one of the things that like Drew came with, I mean, he came with a bunch of stuff, but you know, the idea of how to present photos in an artistic way, like he already came out with like, yo, we should hang photos. You know, if you go see the 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 installation, it's 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 um it's these uh, bigger size prints that are hanging from the ceiling. Um, they're prints that are attached to a wall with, uh, you know, like boxers tape, like like medical tape that you would use in sports and in wrestling. And that those ideas came from Drew because Drew has this experience doing stuff. So he was the perfect match for me because number one, we're like we were like same age, right? And I think we both yeah. came to art. We both probably came to art later and you know later in our careers. And mm-hmm. so I was able to to um, to witness him. And also, I, I, I you know, before our thing opened, I saw the opening of one of his recent things. And, you know, he had to sit down and do the Q&A thing. And I heard his story. And I was like, oh, that's a lot like mine. Like, you know, can you when, when can you call yourself an artist? You know, when do you can you really own that? Mm-hmm. And uh, and for me, I was like, when is it like. When, when do you. When do you like just a hobbyist, you know, like just throwing stuff mm-hmm. together to prove right. yourself? And when you actually create and work to present. And I think that's what Drew brought to it because people kind of got that whole thing of like trying to put, um, and I like, just, just so you know, like the whole tape thing, you know, Matt, Matt Manalo, a really uh, highly respected artist. Um, and then we didn't know this, but he, he ended up putting the installation up. Like we gave the instructions how we wanted it to look yeah. and he put it up. And I remember he just kind of like, yeah. ripped it. like he asked Drew, like, how do you want to rip the tape? And then Drew was like, Oh, just rip it like rough. Like, and he just took it and like, use his own imagination so that installation is actually the creativity of like you know multiple people and you know yeah really I could, I could. yeah because i was talking to soul so she yeah so what we gave them they did it the way we were thinking which was great you know what i'm saying and beyond so uh that worked that was true collaboration i didn't interrupt you but yeah you're right that even because we talked about that like how would they understand you know what we're talking about you know through uh you know a schematic and, you know, I was able to have a conversation with them. And it was like, oh, you know, we got it. We can do our, and I, was, I said, you know, I know you guys are artsy, you know, which they are. And 
they they did it justice, man. They definitely did our visual side of it before people even got a chance to watch or even look at the photos. They saw something, I think, that kind of caught their eye. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I huh. never had that experience yeah. before, man. To to see how yeah. like an art project gives birth and then you know gets presented to the public. And I still kind of feel kind of weird about it because I think I'm so used to just, you know, you know, you write an article, it gets out there, people are like, oh, thanks for writing that, or they're like, hey, that sucked, and you get paid and you just kind of move on. Mm-hmm. And um, and you know that your next sort of you know, art or whatever thing you get to participate in is is relying on you having another idea um so so yeah so I, it's it's cool but I'm, I'm I'm trying to appreciate it for what it was and it was a really good experience and um let me ask you how'd you feel seeing yourself work when you're able to see it you know I mean it made me uncomfortable because I don't like looking at myself but it also it also uh because okay so in the video if, if you go see the installation it'll be up for the next few months at Project Row House um you'll see that Drew like filmed me like in the mode of working and you know what in a way i think i, I was proud of it because i was like man that's because when i'm in the zone i'm just in the zone but i always feel like i don't know what the hell i'm doing because it's not something that I, i've been trained in and it's something i'm just going out kind of doing you know i've taken classes here and there but i haven't like hardcore trained and like how do you photograph something and so i'm still at a stage where it's like i think like a majority of my work is crap and i'm still trying to like get to a level where like you know i i, I get like I, you know, I make interesting photographs, you know, more times out of, out of, out of uh, you know, like, uh, maybe it is for every writer and every photo- photographer out there that maybe they don't always hit the mark every time, but, you know, they come up with something. And so I think it's like that. It's that kind of like insecurity of like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm doing this, I'm doing it for myself, number one. So give a fuck, you know, what anybody else thinks. But at the same time, it's like, you want to be at a level where, you can live off this shit. Cause I was like the whole point of me even doing the program, right? It's like, show me how to live off yeah. this, you know? And and I think that's the big yeah. challenge is, is, is how do you live off of your yeah. art? You know? And that, that's kind of like yeah. what, what this all sprang from for me. So yeah, so seeing myself, I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I believe that. Like I look at myself doing that. It's like, okay, I believe what you're doing. Cause you look like, you know what you're doing. Um, right. But at the same time, it's like, it's weird. Cause I'm like, yeah, but I think if I was detached yeah. from it, I'd probably be like, oh, that's interesting. You know, what's going on there? But it it, it brought a more artistic level to it, you know, because it's kind of like it wasn't like behind the scenes. It was like my like you were trying to tell my story of why I do that. Yeah. And it, it left like a it kind of left the thing open to, to interpretation and, and also to advance on it, you know, because, yeah, I'd like to do yeah. a documentary about local Lucha Libre, try to figure out how to make that work. And, you know, we got a lot of stuff in there. And so maybe, you know, we could get together you know and to me that's how you build a film community it's just by working with people yeah. that you know that are on the, you know have the same kind of um not like agree on everything but bring something to the table you know like that was amazing i think you know yeah. let me film you because we could just film the people wrestling and i think that gets boring after a while because you know uh-huh. it's independent wrestling so it's not like you know you can watch wwe and see something more exciting but the the flavor of where we're at you know like we're literally in like a fucking warehouse you know, and it's like little kids there mm-hmm. and there's adults there and they're saying all kind of wild shit. And, you know, you pick that up when you when you're when you're listening to it. But then like to fo- follow me, just dipping in and out. I don't know. It was cool, man. It was cool. I, thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it, man. I enjoyed it. What you think about it, uh, Uncle Crizzle? 
When you saw it, when you walked in, did you kind of know what it was going to look like or you just kind of ran into it? I didn't know exactly what it it was going to be, but the minute I saw it, I immediately knew it was Camila's. <laughs> and how'd you know uh, when right. you said that? How'd you know it was mine? Dude, I because you for, for people who don't follow you on Instagram, it literally like most of the time in your Insta stories, you drop nothing but photos of uh of Lucha Libre wrestlers mass uh wrestlers and just like the whole it's just, just like the it's like one of those things where just like you get a person's sense of what he could bring to to something like this and you see it and just like you immediately know oh this is this is this is Camilo this is you know this is this is you know there's wrestlers and everything and just like yo so you got it and I you know it's interesting how you say uh, uh, risky. How you brought told told to bring in the uh, the documentary film aspect because I just thought it was just uh, like it was it 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 did seem to make sense for anybody to see it's like it's just like a bunch of images uh, hanging of of uh, of wrestlers and but in the in the center there is um, a video showing of of wrestlers and and Camilo showing what's going on and Camilo himself in the uh, video. So just like you just felt that it was it made perfect sense to bring that uh that video aspect to the uh, installation. Hmm, okay. Cool. Did, what were you asking me? Yeah, 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 that was the oh. question. Like did you did you feel oh, it was yeah. necessary that was essential to bring it as, as part of this installation? So when we initially were talking about, um, you know, what to do, because we didn't really know what we were going to do. I, I wanted to know what he was doing, you know, and so that wasn't the only thing he's working on. So he has a couple of other cool projects, too. So initially we were going to try to tie all of these things in. But then we thought about it and talked about it. and It was like, OK, I think it's best to keep people, you know, on, on, on one thing, because the Lucha Libre, it's a lot. It's a lot happening. And when he was explaining to me, like, how he got to meet the uh, wrestlers and meet some of their parents and how this was basically a family thing. I'm like, wow, that's pretty interesting. I would never know that from watching Lucha Libre. I wouldn't know, but I was like, he knows. And these people trust him, you know, to have him around. So I was like, let's shoot it. They were thinking it'd be cool to shoot you while you're shooting, while you're doing your thing. And I was like, hey, it'd be dope. Have my son to shoot me and to catch different things. So that's what we did. We came out and did it. We didn't really know what it was going to look like. I remember when I scrolled up to the footage the first time, I was like, damn, this shit is pretty cool. You know, and I saw it and I was like, that's cool. And uh, we were just able to, you know, edit some pieces together. I think it just made sense, man. And I'm glad, you know, uh, shout out to Dr. Lala Pavaron and my other instructors at Grambling State University. But it just generally was something that I, I, I learned early, even before I was even though I was shooting, but not like I want to shoot now. How, you know, if you miss something, you can never get it again. You know, so like if you're shooting, I'm going to try to always be shooting, especially if we're working on something. And just in my head to kind of have a bit of it mapped out, even if it all doesn't work out that way. Like I knew I wanted to be able to get some footage of you before, you know, we went to the thing. I didn't really know how your friends were going to be there like that, having wine. I didn't know the discussion. I didn't know any of this, but I knew <laughs> that I felt that we weird about. I was like, yo, my hair looked jacked up. I need to get a haircut, but 
but it was it was truth though. I, I, I'm not I'm I'm not against uh, telling the truth. So yeah, right. It, it worked, man. So yeah, I felt it was good for us to uh, to add that element to it because it kind of like it's kind of like proof of work. You know, like I looked at this photo. The photos are dope. You know what I mean? So it's like you get to see these photos and you get to see how it happened. You know how not just anybody's gonna come in there and get be all against the ring and be able to take photos and stuff like that. You know, so he was he's able to get that. And I show I wanted to show, I believe I did, kind of show people how that happened and parts of Lucha Libre that you wouldn't get from a photography. You wouldn't understand that they really go through smoke and stuff coming out of the stage there, handmade stage, you know, and little kids are happy taking toys. How else would you know? You know what I mean? I, and I just thought those parts were vital. And it, I, I just think it made sense. And uh, it, it did to me, you know. And that's how we got it. I don't think I answered the question. I'm not sure. You, you, answered, you, answered, you, you, you answered several questions. And, um, well, okay. I mean, one thing, the thing about it with, you know, having you here and talking is just like we could go in various directions. I mean, we just started already talking, you know, we started just talking about you being at South Central and doing radio promo, doing promo with uh, for, rec for labels and everything. And just how did you go come from South Central LA to Houston where you uh do many things uh you do the photography you do the uh the filmmaking you got a filmmaking project now that we need to get into uh you uh, you host a, a radio show at project row houses called uh well you have a radio station in a in a project row house called all real radio and just like there's so many different yeah. things we can go to i mean which one i i used to say which one you want to get into first Hmm. You know what? Um, let's talk about All Real Radio first. And I need, I'm going to have to talk about this documentary. But All Real Radio, this is an interesting story. Like, um, you know, at school, at Grambling, we would have to do a project for radio. I'll never forget the commercial I did because my music bed was dipping by King T. You know, I won't forget because I remember that's the song. That's like, we just put dipping in here. But I forget what we were talking about. So the majority of my time was spent in TV Center. But I always knew that I could do radio. You know, just just something. Um, so when I, I moved to Houston 15 years ago, 16, and uh, I had a, I guess you wouldn't know this, I had an independent distribution company uh, where, on, on the net called Bandwidth Music, mm -hmm. you know, where I was selling people's projects. I would uh, bring projects on and we sell them for $5 and I would split the revenue with the, uh, with the artist 7030. So I came into town doing that. And no, I was talking digital distribution in 2006 and people were looking at me like I was crazy. You know, and I, I, I thought, because from watching what I was seeing on the news in LA, that everybody was talking about Houston as the hub for independent music. And, you know, I was already able to have feet, have, you know, I have family here in Houston. I came to Houston, back and forth to Houston all my life. So I was like, let me go to Houston and do what everybody isn't doing. Because everybody in LA is doing music and let me get somewhere else. And I got here and the music scene wasn't popping the way I thought it was. You know what I mean? So really, after that, it's a, a long period of, you know, me managing people, people not taking really good deals to take other shit, just making me kind of look stupid amongst other people. Yeah. So, you know, it was it was pretty interesting. So all of that, the whole time I've been doing T-shirts, all of this thing, still working with, you know, I 
Are you from? Do you know anything about Milky Way, uh, Uncle Rizzo? Well, I was gonna talk to you about see if I could talk to you about that because I saw that yeah. you also had Milky Wave was was like a label uh-huh. and uh just, yeah just the, yeah yeah so just seeing it yeah <laughs> yeah I'm I'm I get the sense that you're not really happy with the the city in terms of its music industry or just like trying to find people, <sighs> artists, and just, I mean, I'm, probably, I'm pretty sure we could just do a whole podcast you venting about the Houston music scene, because I, like, like so many of us, we have stories, you know, you have a lot of stories, probably, and just, I just, but, you know, I just want to see what you want to talk about. Okay, All right, I'm going to fast forward this, but anyway, so music has always been a part, even to this time, I, I co-manage Peyton, that's doing yeah. pretty good right now, she oh, signed, she signed yeah. the song, bro. Yeah. Right. So, but with All Real Radio, like my friend, good friend of mine, Zen, uh, started All Real Radio along with Denise, with Decolonize. Yeah. I remember when Zen started, he got the name All Real Radio, because at one time I was a domain hog. I have, I had a gang of domains. I was that guy buying domains, you know, with ideas and having domains trying to sell. So I didn't sell any. Just ended up losing really good domains with sites that were back, were on them, dumb stuff. Yeah. But uh, so I was happy that he was able to get that all over radio. Because to me, that's kind of like a hard domain to get. Even then, you know, it seemed like somebody would have got it. So he was doing his thing, man. And I'm, you know, managing this group and all this other stuff. And, uh, you know, running the independent label. So um, I, we always talk like one day, you know, this thing will cross up for us and we'll be able to, you know, work on something, which he helped. He would bring the people in, you know what I'm saying? We did a thing at South by Southwest where he took over this house and, Milky Wave came in, performed. So we were working. The interesting thing, too, me and Zen, uh, good friends, end up finding out we were born on the same day. Yeah. You know, so we're kicking it all well, the time. Like, ah, damn. Yeah. We, we, should, huh? we, should, we should also mention that Zen, of course, was, uh, was a, a very popular person in the Houston uh, radio scene who sadly uh, they died in a car accident. Yeah. Uh, yes, a few years back, and just like it's you know, and and also like it's like it, well, it's you have a uh, I I remember I went to um the station that you all real radio station, and there is a shrine uh, voted to yeah. um uh Zen right there. Just like it was just interesting to see that uh, at the uh, at the studio. Yeah, yeah. So we have a shrine in the. Also, we have built a, a monument uh, for him and other fallen people and just as a memorial to, not even a memorial, uh, a nod to the Black people, to the heritage of being Black and African here in Third Ward. There's an unk on the corner of Stewart and Bastard near GCC Comics and um, Kindred, Kindred Stories. That unk yeah. on the corner was built in memory, you know, along with other people. Oh. Shout out to Catherine, uh, Catherine, you know, to put it together for us. So anyway. So all of this stuff, you know, then ends up passing away. And Denise comes to me later and asks me to, to general manage the, the station. You know, mm-hmm. so I end up doing this, which was odd enough to be like, dang, that's my homeboy. You know, and we were born on the same day to move forward to end up me being the co-owner of the station. You know what I'm saying? And daily, like, to be somewhere the energy of a friend is. You know, and mm-hmm. like, yeah, so that, that's it's pretty interesting, man. I'm, I'm happy to be there, and you know I do things that 
you know, not I don't do things every the way Zen did. Zen was a 175% community person. He was always doing something. I don't do anywhere near his community stuff like he does, like he did. But, you know, I, I understand what he planned and part of the future of, of how he wanted all radio to be. Because also, because Denise is there, she's able to tell that story. And I, I believe we're doing it. I'm, I'm excited about that. It's all radio. You guys download the app, 454. Yeah, that's it. And I started DJing too. Yeah. You know, so. It's because I, I remember I used to listen uh, to uh, The Groove on KPFT. Okay. And, yeah. And I hear like every now and then they'd say I, either Risky Cereal or Milky Cereal. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I just like seeing who, yeah, yeah, because uh, um, essentially, also you bring the you brought Peyton because I I interviewed her when like uh the EP came out on Stone's Throw, uh, really, a couple okay. of years ago, and just like yeah. see, see somebody um out there uh or you know signed to signed to Stone's Throw getting uh, her stuff out there, and and yeah, yeah. Yeah, just no. I just wanted to just like get like the general gist of how that uh, relationship where you managed her, you know, took off and just when she went on to to do what she's doing now. Yeah, so um, you know, originally Milky Way disbanded, like most great things do. You know yeah. what I mean? And uh, yeah. trippy because I was in we were in Austin at South by Southwest, and I heard some people talking about a group, and it's like, man, they're like a soul. Uh, Wu-Tang Clan. Then to come to find out, they were talking about Milky Way. You know, it's like, damn, this shit is really good. But it was honestly, it's, it's from an idea that I had to have the producers, you know, lined up producing and each each person come out before. You know, so that that thing hit the fan. But uh, I always had a special relationship with Peyton. You know, I've been knowing Peyton since she was in high school. Actually, we did not like each other when we met each other. When you ever you interview her again, she'll tell you about it. We we didn't like each other. Now, she's a really, really good friend of mine. So even after the split with Milky Way, when she was off doing her own thing, you know, we were always in contact. And, you know, we uh, we talked and solidified a, something, you know, on management along with a friend of mine, you know, in L.A., Sean, Sean Johnson. And uh, we've just been moving since. We're working on a project right now, you know. And um, life is interesting because this project we're working on and she's working on in L.A., somebody broke into the... Uh, and to Shafiq Hussein's, I say his name because whoever did it, you dirty for that. Broke into his studio and stole all his equipment and masters, you know, from projects from like 2005 back. Oh, you know what I mean? So this just happened. Hey, you, you know, know Shafiq? I mean? But again, yeah, I know Shafiq. That's my homeboy. You oh, know Shafiq? Wow. <laughs> I know. I, <clears throat> I interviewed um, Sarah one time at their house. Ah. He stopped his house on uh, in, um, in the hill. I want to say Echo Park or someplace. Yeah, it, it was, was in Mount, uh, Mount Vernon, not Mount Vernon, but Mount. Uh, okay, I know Mount what you're Washington? talking about. Yeah, Mount Washington, I think. Oh no, no, no! You, it was near Little Temple Bar, right? Did you guys it go was, to? The... It was like it was in the cut. It was in like one of those gentrifying areas. Yeah, but I, it was. I know. Was like I know. What you're about. I've been to that place a couple times. Not a lot, but I know. I know of the place. Yeah, so I didn't know you. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, saw, I saw what you mentioned. He got his shit stolen. That's fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he got his shit stole, man. You know, and so like Peyton just came from working. You know what I'm saying? She just left LA. And it might be stuff that people don't know, but now they'll know. Because I mean, this type of stuff affects things. 
But it's, it's one thing that I do know, and I was able to talk to Shafiq. Shafiq is my sensei, by the way, too. Like the martial arts stuff that I learned, I learned from him. Yeah. So, um, but they, I know that Shafiq will make something fresher. Peyton will do the same because this is going to be part of the fuel. Well, maybe he may even get his things back. But even if not, it will not stop the process of creativity and greatness. That's not possible. Especially if, you know, somebody like Shafiq or Peyton that's going to put your nose to the grindstone and keep going. Yeah. So that's how me and Peyton, you know, did that. Well, I want to get to the more uh, uh, visual side of you. Um, Let's get into the the, uh, documentary project you're working on. Which there you had you dropped the trailer on uh, Instagram and it's it's yeah. uh, it's called Gentrified. Yeah, Gentrified, like you fry something, like I yeah. fried. Yeah, yeah and Gentrified. So just you know, give people the the, the whole story about that. Here we go. All right. So after living near NRG Stadium, moving to Houston in two thousand five. I didn't know who knew Katrina was going to happen on the freeway. My cousin, cousin calls me like, you got your gun with you. And I'm thinking like, yes, but why are you asking me? So, so it happens where I move everyone that came a lot of, this was the epic epicenter near NRG stadium. So there was a lot of stuff going on where I was moving to that wasn't existing before. So I lived there for a while, got robbed, all types of things left there. We moved into third war, what they call museum park on the backside of um, on the back side of um, McGregor Elementary School. Mm. And um, I lived there and uh, I loved the neighborhood, man. I, I really loved it. My kids loved it. My wife loved it. And we were renting. But I watched how people that knew people to this neighborhood, people that didn't look like me, that oppressed to the neighborhood, would treat me. You know, like I wasn't supposed to be there. And it was, it was trippy. You know, I'm not, I'm not really used to the I wasn't used to the level how racism was presented here in the South versus how it is in California. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a different type of thing. Because I used to be one of those people that was like, man, I'd rather, uh, I'd rather you know, somebody uh, let me know they racist so I can know. I don't really feel that way no more. We can just be cordial with each other. You know what I'm saying? I don't have to like you. You don't have to like me. Do your thing. But it kind of wasn't like that in some, in the, at the neighborhood sometime. I, I just didn't feel it it kind of made me not feel good. And it did the same thing to my kids. Cause like you said, my kids are Afro Latino. You look at them, you say they're black period. So we had incident over there, a few of them that led us to, you know, you know, kind of being like, damn, I'm saying when I buy a house, I don't ever want to have to feel this. Cause not that people can't be that way, but I can stand my ground and fight for my home and my neighborhood because I'm not just a renter. I, my, my, uh, owner doesn't, you know, have to hold my faith in me staying here and really battling like gentrification in the neighborhood, you know, and shout out to my owners. They were nice. They would have sold it, but the house was just needed so much work. So anyway, me and my wife, we find a place. She wanted a new house. I wanted to live in third ward. We found a place in Napoleon street, north side of north side of third ward, where people would call the bottoms where homes were being built. So like this, these homes were being built at a really great rate. We found a home. We were able to get into the home across the street, vacant lot that was supposed to be homes and on the front side businesses with other living quarters on the top, you know, and this lot, you know, it was, it was like pure nature, hawk and stuff out there. 
uh, chupacabra, all type of stuff running around in the field that you just, you know, that you would see. It was cool. But they cut the lot one day, and I was like, oh, shit, what's about to happen? What are they doing? So, you know, I'm checking, and they put a sign up, and it says, now uh, you can build as high as you want. And I'm like, what the hell is this? I was there, but I'm like, okay, townhomes, uh, a high rise. Not my favorite idea, but okay. But then I call after the sign goes down, and they had another sign up. And I'm like, talking to the people, I'm like, who owns this? And they're like, the Nani Group. And I was like, well, what do they do? She's like, they do fast food. And I was like, what? And I'm like, no. I was, then I'm like, before they do anything like that, they'd have to put a variance up. Then, you know, I'm going to gather people in my neighborhood. I'm already talking to people now. And we'll go talk to City Hall about this. Then we see a sign coming soon, Popeye's Burger King, Exxon. It gets crossed out. Somebody says, no, we don't want this in our neighborhood. You know, and I'm like, wow, here we go. So I've been taking shots and recording of this the whole time. because I'm wondering, like, what the hell are they really planning on? Can they get away with this? So before, when I find out they're starting to build, I go to city council. Well, I go to different groups in the neighborhood and I tell them about them. And a lot of times people are just like, well, nothing you can do is denying it. A big group, it's not bad. It's going to make the value of your home go up. And I'm like, dude, I already have dope selling and prostitution and stuff in this neighborhood already that people were trying to get out of here. How are you going to build something that's a, a magnet, you know, for this type of thing, a store where people can hang out in front of a Burger King where people just eat fast food all the time, a Popeye's people, I just don't see it. And a gas station, you know, and I'm like, I, I don't think it's good for our community. And I went and spoke to city council about it a couple of times. I talked to my, uh, you know, Boykins, who was over at the time, and I was promised things that never actually came. Long story short, they start, they, they break ground and start building. And I, I knew, you know, I, I had a trouble, you know, and before this, I'd already started recording. Every time something happened, I'm shooting it. I'm talking to attorneys. The first attorney I talked to said, told me something that was a little different, but someone else, they would talk to me and be like, well, you know, you should, uh, well, you, there's a nuisance act, but you can, you can try to fight them. But the thing is, they would tie me up in court forever. They're a billion dollar company. You know, so just putting court dates off, they could make me run out of my money. So early on, I was like, I saw that they built a driveway in front of my house. I would get into it with the form off. I just started shooting. And I said, the only way I can get them is by showing people. Because when I tell people, even when I tell people how close this is to my house, they don't understand. They think low, like across the street, like across the main thoroughfare. It's like, no, it's across uh, a residential street. So. Long story short, I started shooting, doing research on the Denani. Every time something happens, I'm shooting it. I keep my camera rolling. And I put together a trailer to show a documentary that I'm working on, along with someone who's doing research with me, shout out to Sam Ulster. And I said, I'm, I'm going to show people. I'll get people involved by bringing attention to them, to these people that come into our community. And they tell a tale of bringing jobs to our community like it's good for our community, like they're helping us. But I see the people that work here. And no, it's not everybody, but I've seen somebody come out of here and throw a bottle into my neighbor's yard, like launch a bottle, a worker. You know what I mean? I see all type of things. So I know it's not true. And any of us. So the last time you've gone to one of these uh, little mini mart places, these dudes are Indian. I believe they're Pakistani. I'm not really sure. When's the last time you went inside there in the gas station part and seen a black person working behind the glass, behind the plexiglass? Anybody? Uh, I I have 
have been seen much of that. I mean, I don't know, Camilo, yeah. you want to speak on it? When's the last time I saw somebody, what did you say, jump behind the plexiglass? Is that what you said? No, black no, person behind the plexiglass. Yeah, black person. Work. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't think that exists. Not in this country. Yeah. So my point being, we can work in the Burger King. We can work in the Popeyes. You can come to my neighborhood, destroy my neighborhood. Right now, I can take you outside and show you Popeyes bags and stuff in my yard. And people pulling in and out of the lives. They just made the street horrible. So I want people also to know, because we talk about racism, but I think we have it caught up that we think racism comes in one color. And this is something that I want to show to people, too, that racism is not just one color. A lot of people are allowed to come to America or are in America. You could have been here and you use us as your footstool to come up in the world. And you, they really shit on us. And it's been horrible living here. I have anxiety. Think, could you imagine making the biggest investment of your life on something? Then you dread coming home because of what's in front of your house. Like, I would like to sit on my porch. I can't really sit on my porch because there's always somebody in front of me. You know, well, people we, come we, up to me asking money. Well, we should we should talk like anybody hasn't seen um, the uh, the trailer uh, on on your Instagram and uh, you know you 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 get uh, some uh, some sketchy shit on uh, on camera. I mean, it's I mean I don't know how long it, how long you are I don't know how long you often film outside of this uh, every day every day like just just <laughs> just you just keep the camera running and just just hope. Something like so a lot of times, like with most of the documentary stuff from here, I'm, I'm using my phone because I need, like I said, if you miss it, you've lost it. So on these phones, they, sh they shoot pretty well. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when I see something, I start recording. At other times, I set up my camera because I knew things were happening. Mm -hmm. And like I have thousands of hours of footage that I haven't even been through Yeah. on some because it's so much footage. You know, and I have enough of footage that I have not seen to at least do a two hour or better documentary at yeah. this point. Like what I've shown, like what you saw in the trailer, like even the incident with the police, what no one would understand until they watch the documentary. I am the one that called the police. Mm. I called them and that's what they did to me and going to tell me that there is a, such a permit that allows someone to to do work industrial work in front of a home at three thirty, four o'clock in the morning. You know, and actually what they did when this was over, when they, they made me leave, that wasn't the end of the thing. I got out of them about something else after that, after it cut. I just didn't want to put everything in the trailer. I left. I'm going to tell on the police, I guess. I'm going to the police. I go to the police station, South Central Precinct, and they follow me to the precinct. So while I'm in there talking to, uh, talking to the uh, the night watchman, whatever the hell you call them, they come in and they go talk to the guy that all of them make me leave. Mm. So also what I'm saying is the city is complicit in these moves that are happening from, from, um, from um, what's happening with, um, you know, people coming to do, uh, not investigation, but you know, to, uh, to check the lines, to check the boundaries of everything. They're cheating. They're cheating. I can tell from simply sitting here and watch how people, what you have to do to turn into the driveway. You got to make a three-point turn to turn into the driveway. Then if you're turning in, someone can't pull out. Right now, in front of my house, there's like a two-foot 
ditch from where an 18 wheeler pulled out of there and drove on my grass. And this is not the first time it's happened. This street, this place was not built for that type of traffic. And no one should have that in front of their home. So what I plan on doing with this is showing this to the people, people in my community, other communities, showing them what these people can come and do to your community and that we can fight them and to let them know that there are, is also someone watch, someone always wants someone watching. And I believe what they are thriving on is coming to communities that are turnover communities because most of the people that live there are renters. And to, to tell the truth, they rent subpar shit. Shit that look like it's about to fall over. You know what I mean? But in that, the fall over turns into gentrification. So this is what I've learned from this, that gentrification happens first, like with corporate things, like this QSS, like the, the Donati group, that probably is in with someone in the uh, community, in with someone in City Hall or somewhere that's able to tell them, hey, we have these parcels of land. These builders are putting up these homes. Da 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 da. You might want to pick this up. You know, so that's what I plan on showing. I'm pulling back the layers because I have other things already. They're going to show people that it's not just the nuns. They have friends in places that are doing us all wrong in our community, and this is wrong. And that's what I plan on doing. That's what I'm doing with this. You see, uh, I get a preacher like on this. It, it has me I told, I told him it's like Roger and me a little bit like um mm. that documentary got yeah. a guy a guy trying to get um you know trying to get the word out about how a corporation is is you know has ruined his city and um you know taking jobs out and things like that but um you gotta see yeah. that uh risky if you haven't seen roger and me by michael yeah. moore and i think i have seen it years ago more than likely i may have been influenced by it but i don't you know because roger moore he's a dope uh He's a dope documentarian. He, he's in people's face, man. Well, you know, he jumps out yeah. there. Right. It was Michael Moore and like Ray Roger was the guy <laughs> who, was, who was who he was looking for. But um that ain't him. It's Michael Moore. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Rest in peace, Roger Moore. Yeah. Okay. So how what's happening with that now? Isn't that you know with with what? With Roger Moore's thing when he used to uh they did the film thing, right? No, Michael Are, Moore. No, yeah. no but uh, there is a Roger Moore. But anyway, we'll skip. Yeah, that. Roger yeah. Moore, you know, the, 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 the wild geese. What the hell are y'all talking? He is the second, you know, the James Bond. <laughs> no, the wild geese. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, when is when you think is this? When you think is gonna the uh, drop and so? Uh, when you think the the documentary is gonna drop? Yeah, gonna drop. I'm looking at uh, June. You know, it's gonna be there. And it's gonna be ready for the summer. You get it in the summer. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I think people are gonna. I've had like a couple of people, um, you know, journalists already kind of reach out. So I, I think people are getting noticed. And I think the more, I want people to share it. I made a mistake and I could have cut it down to three minutes and boosted it, you know, on Instagram. I just didn't know. And, uh, but I, it's getting a lot of, it's getting some spins, man. People are looking at it. People are sharing. I think, I think it's shocking a lot of people because they, it, it's kind of, it's really unbelievable that someone is allowed to do that in someone's neighborhood, not just in a neighborhood, in front of my home. And I'm pretty sure the reason that that driveway is right in front of my driveway is because I've been into it with them from the beginning. So they did that to spite me. 
mean, he, you, 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 you really think it's, it's like that at this point? Like they're they're like creating this and just like. The it's other like thing that. is yeah. it, it goes counter. Mm-hmm. It goes counter to what you know the the city trying to um, revitalize areas. You know, um, revitalize third ward, and it just it goes counter to all that everything that everything that that represents and that your story tells because it is it is wicked, man. Like to have that, and the fact that there's a fast food restaurant like not even a mile away on that same street, and um, it just says a lot about you know what they think about the people who live in those areas. So it's, it's, um, they don't care about it. 0.3 miles away, actually. And it's owned by them too. They own that one. They own the Burger King, you know, all the Burger Kings here in Houston and the Popeye. La Madeline too, and some other places, you know, they're an investment group too as well. They have a lot of money. So it's, you know, we probably can trace this and find a lot of probably things wrong with our communities connected to them somehow or connected to one of their corporate, one of their businesses. You know, I got a feeling a lot of people around are related and know them. I have a feeling about that, too, that I don't think is too far off. You know, we'll find out, though. The 90s, they should want to come talk to me because it's, you know, it's something that needs to happen. You know, first off, change is going to happen. You know, they, I'm sure they didn't expect this to happen this way. But they're going to build a wall in front of this place, you know, which, which my uh, with Boykins and then prompt, they were like, we'll take care of this. And I have all of these emails and all of these things, you know, so they're going to build a wall. You're not going to be able to enter this place from my house, from my street, you know, and you're going to have to pay me for the time that I have to spend every day dealing with anxiety, dealing with the uh, threat on my family, which is caused by people that you don't know being in front of your home every day, every day. I can't even open my door. I can't, you know how you would like to do your front door open sometimes, get some air. We have a screen. Mm. People are looking in my house. So, you know, like if you look, open the door, you can see my house from Scott all the way through my house, through their parking lot. You know, like when I leave to go places, I got to try to sneak out of the house because people are constantly watching me. I've had people from over there come intrude onto my home, looking in my window, doing all of these things. Oh. You know, and um, you've, you've made it hard for me because people are, well, why don't you just move? It's not that easy. First off, we bought this house so my kids can have something later, too. Can have, this can be one of many properties. But you change that because you change the value of our home. Even though the value of the home is up, just like if I wanted to sell my home to either you two, one of the first things y'all would say, whatever number I say, is like, huh? well, what about this place across the street? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Let's start taking some dollars off of that. I would, you know, so they've changed the value of my home. They changed the safety of my home and just the well-being of me and my family physically and emotionally. And uh, it, it's not okay. And the question is simple. Would they build one of those in front of their friend's house? Would they build that in front of their own people's house? Would they do that? And I'm going to say no, because if they would, I'd like to see where they did it. Instead of doing what everybody else does, come to a black community and vampire off of us until we're gone. Until we're gone, because that's their plan. They, they ju- shuck and jive high five for a minute, but they really want us gone. When I moved here, an officer came down the street and I asked him, I'm like, so what's the plan for the neighborhood? And he was like, this is before Danani moved, moved there. He was like, don't tell anybody I'm telling you this, but taxes is the plan. <laughs> 
He's like, we're, gonna, we're moving people out with taxes. And I couldn't say it then. But think about it. My taxes have gone up because of this place. While they're actually making the value of my home go down in real life, just not, not on paper, in real life, when it comes down to actually having to sell the house, which I'm not going to do. They're going to have to get right. They, not, they don't even live here. They're not from this community. They don't care about the community. Yeah. Okay, that's all. Right. That's it. Look for it. It's coming soon. And if you guys okay. see it, please share it for me. All right. Well, yeah, I know Camilo has done it. And I'm just like, I just like, risk it ever. I never saw you without your hat on. Everybody, anybody ever tell you, you you look a little bit like DMX with glasses? We're talking about <laughs> right now. And I've heard DMX before back in the day. <laughs> yeah, but I'm alive. <laughs> I'm alive. Rest in power to DMX, man. So, Rest in power to DMX. Um, so uh, you got a uh, you're part of a you know getting back to the um, the art side of you. You got a show. Uh, you're part of a show. I believe called Raised in Abolition. Rooted in Abolition. Rooted, yeah, if I was in that got, show. Yeah, yeah, Rooted in Abolition. Yeah. So you want to talk about that? Yeah, Rooted in Abolition was dope. The show is finished now, but it was a really good show. Shout out to uh, Seconda, you know, Carrie and Shatana Powell. Shatana Powell uh, curated the show. Uh, there were, let's see, about six artists in it. You know, I might be saying wrong, but um, we all added different pieces to it. I I shot well I didn't I shot three pieces but I showed five different pieces you know uh, one of them like I think one of my favorites is called Freedom it's a picture of uh, a man which is actually my hand holding barbed wire over a uh, over an American flag and on either side of it is flanked by a picture of a, a young man which is my son that's nude with an afro kind of like staring off but the thing is it's a story kind of about us and like how you know, we are looked at, you know, they look at our young men, our young men, our babies as men and hardened criminals when we're not that. There are also criminals out there, but most of us are not, you know, and they, they treat them any type of way when like my son is always going to be my baby. You know what I mean? And to parents, their children are usually that. So that means this all this relationship is going to always exist. So that's what I, one of the things I wanted to show with that. So I have my son in a red light and one in the blue as representation of police lights and, uh, you know, the flag. And I have another picture that I took at Fifth Ward, Lions Avenue Renaissance Festival with some kids on a merry-go-round, it's like a tall one. So they're swinging and just having fun, man. You know, and it, it reminded me like of how, you know, I call it don't know and don't care because they don't know and they don't care. You know, they... They're not thinking about bills, even though they might have some problems. But, you know, the weight of life is not laid on them. You know, and I have another photo that I show of a of a man and his daughter standing in front of some cars underwater that happened after Harvey. You know, so that. So and Rooted Abolition was great because uh, it was. Um, yeah, you were there. You, you were able to see that. Uh, so it was great because we involved, they involved people, the audience. You know, from singing, chanting, different things. It was immersive. So uh, shout out to uh, BLM HTX, too, because BLM HTX was uh, one of the people behind this. You know, so that's what it was, man. And I, was, I was excited to do that, man. It, it feels good for people, because I got paid to do it, for somebody to look at my art and are like, damn, you know, that's worth something. Will you do this for me? You know what I mean? Because, I mean, because everything you can't, is not going to have a ticket on it. But we need to have more things with tickets on it. 
but people automatically know that they should pay us for what we do. So yeah, that was really an abolition. Though, shout out to them. It was, it was a good show. Did, did you cover already? Did you talk already about how you got into art? Like your first, um, like what was like the first time? Like you know, like this this past week was like my first first time doing something like that. But what was like your first time doing something like what you did at Rooted in Abolition? Okay, so all right, so I, I've been like hoarding having photos for a while, right? That I put to a side. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna frame this, do something with them. I bought a camera from. Um, Odie Wands, you know, he's a photographer in Houston. He's a dope photographer, doing really well, as a matter of fact. And he just shot this thing for Nike. But uh, I'd already been taking pictures, you know what I'm saying? So, but I, I didn't have a camera. So I got a camera and um, I had these photos and photo fest was coming to Houston. And Charles Washington, a, a friend of mine is an artist, dope artist, you guys check him out. You know, I, I've been helping him, helping him at uh, the Harambe Art Gallery, doing stuff with him, you know, just, Basically cleaning up or doing whatever he needs, hold something, you know, or whatever, you know, just immersing myself in art. And he liked my, uh, he likes my photography. So he asked me, you know, about Photo Fest and I, I got submitted somehow or something and I was asked to be in Photo Fest, you know, so I had a pretty big show through Harambe and Photo Fest. I had a, I had uh, the gallery at HCC, me and a guy named Ed Ballou from San Francisco, another photographer. We had uh, pieces at Texas Southern and we had pieces at uh, City Hall, you know, but uh, COVID hit and wiped the whole thing out. So I was excited. I was able to, I was ready to make my like, hey, look at what I can do. You know what I mean? So that was really my first time and it got thwarted by COVID. So I ended up doing a show, uh, Third War Special. I think that was my first show. I think so. And at Community Artist Collective. Shout out to the collective and Michelle Barnes, where I was able to uh, to bring my art. It's still interesting because I brought stuff that pe- that they didn't show. So I brought stuff and they showed what they decided to show. The curators, the curator. But mm-hmm. uh, even then, I was like, "Damn, well, the pieces they they kind of go together. Maybe I should explain this, mm-hmm. you know." But um, that was my first time. If I think, I think so. Yeah. Uh, photography. Yeah, you still slinging coffee. We're still slanging coffee. Yeah, we're still slanging coffee. Trey Brew, get yourself some Trey Brew. Yeah, you know what? If anybody, I, I, I need, we need some more, we need a, I need some things to help our coffee, uh, our coffee go better. I'm looking at different roasters. So that's something we're looking at now, looking at different roasters, you know, sourcing the beans. All of these things are interesting because when we start, we went to one person for most things, but I always knew it's like, man, Yes, it's kind of like a dope business. If you want to do it, you got to be able to try to get as close to it as possible. You know, not that I ever sold dope, but I've seen many a movie. So, you know, sourcing the beans, <laughs> sourcing the beans, you know, and finding a bean that we like, because me and Denise wanted to, our cultures to play a part in the bean, you know, something from a Latin company's country, something from an African company, you know, mix them together. So all to say, yeah, we're still selling coffee. Well, well, you we, we're, we're growing. We want to grow more. We need to. We need to tweak some things. But our long, our coffee is good though. People yeah. pay us to come out and do coffee. You know, they can yeah. they they can find what where they, they can find it online, or is there like they can go yeah. out someplace and get it, or what? You can find it online, or if you come by the station, if you know us, you can come by the station. I'll I'll grind you up a bag of, of coffee, or you can have whole beans. Uh, but online on Auro Radio, you can go to Trade Brew Coffee. 
T-R-E-E-B-R-E-W, coffee.com. And you can find it, or it's, it's also going to be available from the All World Radio uh, webpage. Mm-hmm. And let me sp- say this real quick, too. So All World Radio, we did something, and uh, actually I've never been part of it because it's something that's been started, so I wasn't part of All World Radio when he started, but it's called a Smudge. It's like a musical cleansing where, you know, people get smudged and people come out and have a great time at a, it was a day festival. So it hasn't happened in some years. So we are doing the festival this year. So the date we have the date is June 10th. This is my first time actually saying it to anyone, but June 10th, we're doing the smudge. So you guys look out for that. We'll be, uh, we'll be letting people know more about it, you know, as, as we get closer. Yeah. So that's one of the things happening with, what do you get smudged with? Uh, with uh, Sage, but you can smudge with other things, you know, Palo Santo, you know, other, you know, I'm not a smudge specialist, but Sage, you know, most definitely, you know, to come out, get smudged, enjoy some music, eat some food, have some drinks. You'll be able to do all of that. And I don't want to give up the location. You know, one of the hardest things is getting the location. We have a really good location in stone already. So, you know, um, rain won't stop it. None of that. So June 10th, that's what we're going to do. It's the weekend before June 10th. We'll have something happening on the Juneteenth, but of course on the 10th, we'll be celebrating Juneteenth as well. You know, so that we're going to call that the early pickup to it. You know, so um, yeah, that's what's happening. Well, any other art, any other artistic, well, any other stuff that you're working on, any other projects you want people to know about, any other things, you know? I do. (laughs) Yeah, I do have a a couple. I'm doing something called a 16 experiment. I want to shoot both of you guys. And I asked people three questions about being 16 and shot with my cell phone. But the idea is once people get with this, to, to like you guys go shoot 16 experiments with people. You know, then you send them in and uh, I give people, I don't give, but people get a co-director's credit. You know, and they're a little short. I, I see them on Vice or something like that. So there's three questions that's pretty interesting. Everybody answers them different. And the thing is, it's like this project is an ongoing project. Because when you don't have somebody that used to be 16, nobody's living anymore. So it will be no use to have anything for anyone to see. You know, so the 16 experiment, and I'm also working on something about my uncle, my great uncle Nathaniel, he was electrocuted. This is one of the reasons that brought me to Houston too. So I, I have a, a piece on him that's kind of tied in with history on my family. Yeah, and I have a cartoon that uh, I'm working on. Yeah, so uh, me and a friend of mine, Anishika John Tay, that are writing, you know. Uh, so, yeah, that's in the works. It's an adult cartoon, but it's funny. It's about a dog. Yeah, but uh, I'll tell you guys about it later. Like feel like Felix the cat, adult or? or uh... No, you think more like Bojack Horseman, I guess. Okay, okay. Huh? I've never even watched Bojack Horseman. Like my daughter likes it. I'll walk into the room and I'll see something, but I, you know, I'm. I, you know, but I, I'm going to have to go out and say something more like that. You know, it's, it's, some of the content is adult. It's not It's not just for kids to watch. You know what I mean? But it's very funny. That it is. Yeah. I, think, I think you're referring to Fritz the Cat. Fritz the Cat. Felix the Cat. Huh. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to get a little confused. confused. The Fabulous Fairy Free Brothers. Watch any of those adult cartoons? Do you watch any adult cartoons, though? I watch... Um, not not any of the recent ones. No, I'm. Oh, you know what? I I, I consider um. I consider what's the uh damn the professor and and the grandson. I consider that that's kind of an adult cartoon. I used to watch that. Oh yeah, Rick and Morty or something like Rick that. Rick and Morty. Yeah. I used to I used to watch that a lot. I don't know my son Muhammad watches that. 
I mean, I guess from the old school, you know, Simpsons. You know what I mean? You know. Yeah, yeah so, but I see a lot of stuff that I've seen little pieces of that I think is really good, you know, and funny. But it's hard for me to keep up with any, like, series of stuff. There's only a few series that I stick with. Like, I'm watching Secession right now. Are you guys watching Secession? Yeah, I, My wife I saw, watched that. Yeah, I saw the last season. Too. Okay, all right. Secession, you know. You Have you guys seen Boardwalk Empire? Yeah, I, I, um, yeah, I, yeah, I actually, I recapped the last season of that for Vulture, so that was like an interesting, yes, you know. Oh, nice. I watched um, The Last of Us. That's the only series I watch now. I haven't seen that. Hmm, I haven't seen that. Huh, I have to check it out. I like apocalyptic shows. Ah, uh, okay. Like, I watch apocalyptic movies, but it seems like those shows go on forever. You know, with episodes. Like, I want to watch Living Dead, but it's like, how many episodes? Do I, how long do I have to... You know, it's like, it's like it almost defeats the purpose of what it is. Just like, it's it's a show about, you know, the end of the world, but, it, you know, there's these shows, it just, just keeps going and going. So The closer hmm. we get. The closer we get. Right. That's, what it's, that's what it's about. Mm. Hey, uh, what do you guys think about those objects that they shot down recently? Uh, you know, object you have shot down, you Info- think about inf- that. information warfare like i don't think i don't think i don't right. think it's uh it's definitely not ufos because ufos wouldn't get shot okay. down it's, it's information All warfare right. that's what i think it is because mm. they can't go because they get shut down if they monitor the web tra- right so i think it's easier to trace the web traffic or like web stuff like that kind of stuff so they they just took it in a whole nother direction. They're like, yo, we'll just send up some balloons. And um, and right, the way the only way they really it really got publicized because somebody had a dope camera or something. They had a they had an ill lens. And then mm-hmm. and then once right, that hit, like I see that. Right. Yeah, and it, it and it's you know, because like they know about that stuff. I don't know what what's what's your take on yeah. that? Um I believe that first thing was a, a, you know, a balloon, China, whatever, like they said, they accepted it. These other objects I'm, I'm unsure of simply because of the places where they're, they're seeing them at. There's like anomalous, there's all type of things that have happened in those regions, like the Great Lakes. That's it's a special place in the United States. I don't think everything, I, I do believe some of these things possibly been UFOs, but I'm a guy that's seen like three of UFOs. So I can say, and uh, them not being shot down, I think it's possible. Wait a minute, you, you know seen, what I mean? I think the U.S. has done it. You've seen you UFOs? Well, yeah, yeah, but you said yeah, you've, you've you've seen UFOs. Yeah, I've seen one. Yeah, I've seen four. I think you know what I'm saying. I've seen it like four times. Where 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 are you seeing them at? My wife said they're gonna think I'm crazy. I don't care. I am a bit crazy, Jenny. Like, don't tell them, Drew. Don't tell them. <laughs> Too late. You bro- yeah, you brought it up, so you might <laughs> as well just. Okay, right. I brought it up. You right. So the first time I saw one, um, I was in L.A., South Central. I get it recorded, 52nd and Figueroa. I'm coming from, uh, I think I was servicing some DJs or some wax. And I get out of the car, and I look back, and it's something draws me to look back towards the horizon. I look back. I see like something that looks like a meteor, I guess you could say, like shooting across the sky. And I'm like, wow, what is that? And I'm just standing watching it. I'm like, you know, I've seen shooting stars, all this stuff. I'm like, this is pretty big. 
So it gets to a certain point and it breaks into like three little balls, red balls. And those balls like shoot different places. And it looks like I could have drove to where they were. But, you know, obviously not. But it made it, it gave me an emotion. You know what I'm saying? When I saw it, that was like, I don't like feel like that. You know what I'm saying? Not that I don't feel like that. It, it's something that drew something out of me that was just trippy. So that was my first time. When I got here to Houston, I was uh, at where that wine bar is on Alameda right now, but they were having a spoken word thing. So I'm in there. I went out to the car to grab something. And when I'm walking back in, I look up and I see like three lights. It looks like a pyramid, like an upside down pyramid. Boom, boom, boom. And I'm looking and I'm like, is that a plane? And I'm like, no, it's not moving. So I stopped and I'm looking at it. Then like the, it would go like this. One would get bright. You know what I'm saying? It was like, damn near like a signal. And I'm looking at it like, wow. So I pull out my phone. I'm trying to record it, but it's lights in the parking lot, so I can't see it. So I'm like, no, I still want to see it. So I, uh, I stopped looking at it through my phone because I couldn't see it. So I just stared at it and I watched it and it, it did like this. And when it jumped, it just disappeared. Like some light speed type of shit. You know what I'm saying? You know, and it wasn't like it was right up here on me. No, it was, I can, but I'm looking at it. So uh, that time, and I saw another one in New York. You know what I mean? Like, you, if you look up, it's different between the stars. Like making right, right angle turns. may look like it, it, you'll see it. Maybe. So yeah. So that's it. Basically. I mean, well, hey, man. You're a believer. I'm a believer, most definitely. One time I thought I saw a UFO in Herman Park, but now that I think about it, I think I think it was a drone. I just wasn't used to seeing the drone out. Mm. And um, drone, but now yeah, I've seen, I've seen a lot more drones out. now, so I know what they look yeah. like. Yeah, I was in my yard one day, and somebody flew a drone over my yard and got close while we and my family were in the backyard. Yeah, it's you not even flying like, drones yeah. out here, man. I don't, I don't like that. And they say it's illegal to shoot them yeah, down. Yeah, don't, don't get them to my yard. Keep it moving. You can keep your if you keep your height. You know what I'm saying? Go ahead, bye. But when you yeah. stop and you're looking at me in my yard, yeah, that's a little different. You know, you might get shot down. Right. No, it's, it's just, and they're not supposed to do it at night. They're not supposed. It's like the the according to the laws, you're not supposed to uh, drone at night in residential uh, areas. Yeah, they are. Or you very well may have seen a UFO. You might have. I really thought I did for a minute. I really thought I did. I told this sister uh, about this in L.A. and when I was moving to Houston. And she used to live in Houston in the 60s. And she told me she saw one here. You know, she said she saw one along the bayou, like a little, like a sphere, like a little tube type of thing on, on, on the bayou. And she was down and it swooped down to the bayou. She saw it, it swooped and boned out. This is before drones, before, you know what I mean? At least as far as we know, before drones. Yeah, I mean it makes sense. They want they want to know about our uh this is like our energy industry right here. So they're gonna yeah, come they're gonna, they're gonna, Yeah, they they've always done. I mean, it's real for us to believe that we're the smartest and the oldest amongst all of these star systems. When we got the Dogon that is that were able to see Batolo, you know, Sirius B and know that there was a, a dead star that was mass, the mass was so heavy. They, how did they know this 4,000 years ago? And we don't have a telescope to see it until the 80s. Well, they told the story of how they found out. They say somebody came and told them. You know what I mean? And they weren't humanoid like we are. You know? 
Usually what's a big deal? You know what I'm saying? No, that's that's crazy. That's yeah. a lot to consider. What about you, uh, Craig? I know you've seen some UFOs. Come on. Um, in North Carolina. No. Uh, <laughs> so risky. I'm I'm just trying to, to to wrap all this shit up and try and figure out how I'm going to play all right. this on the. Wait, well, I got one question though. Before we go, that yeah, what, what's a Muslim? What's a Muslim? Yeah, a Muslim? No, Muslim. Well, a Muslim is a person. Is, is that what it? Is that Muslim, what it some people say Muslim, and some people may say that's the correct way to pronounce it. Then some people are going to say Muslim. Same thing. It's the same thing. Right. Well, I thought you. I, that's just something I saw uh, on Shafiq's uh, Instagram. I was wondering. Yeah. So I don't think you remember Muslim. He don't for it. Believe me, Shafiq will have an explanation for why he called it Muslim. Okay. Most definitely. I'll tell him you're trying to get in contact with him. Oh, yeah. I don't, that's what he remembers yeah. me, man. I was the dude who went Because I, okay. I went over and they weren't even like, they were just chilling that day. And uh, right. I remember like Taz was like playing video games and like his pajamas or something. You know, like they were just chilling that day. And um, yeah. and I had just really started to like do my reporting thing out there in LA. And, and I got kind of, I got kind of like, I felt conflicted because they were like, yo, you come hang out with us. And I was like, oh, I don't know, man, because I'm trying to uh, trying to do my, you know, reporter thing and can't be friends with right. nobody from writing about you kind of thing. And, but they were real cool, man. They were cool. Hey, like, come back. And I remember I just was like, you know, I could have been, I could have been huh. down. I could have met you back then. Uh, down yeah, you with Sarah. Right. Yeah, you know, you know what we're talking about, right? Right, Craig? Yes. Yes, I do. Okay, cool. Did you did yeah. you like any Sarah? They, they, they what? Mm-hmm. Hopefully they do a project soon. I think they may have something. You know, another they Star came out with partner. Maybe five, what five, ten years ago, they came out with something like follow up. I don't know about that. I know Shafiq put a couple things out. Like he put out, uh, you know, the loop. He put out, um, uh. What was the name of the mixtape? Actually, I was working with him when those two things were put out. I can't even think of the name of it right now. But anyway, he's put a few things out. He's been doing a lot of producing. What year did you did you uh, relocate to Houston? Two thousand five. Okay. Did you know yeah. um that group Jay Davy? Oh, oh, interesting. So my partner that uh, co-manages. Um, uh, Peyton with me. He works with. He used to work with Jay Day. Yeah, yeah. I know you know that name. Uh, just because when I was when I was coming up, those are like the groups that like I would I would see all the time. Um, Pack Div. Uh, uh-huh. yeah, Pack Div. So, and that was around mm-hmm. that time, like two thousand six, two thousand five. So, that's right. cool. We never talked right. about so that. I we never talked about all those people. That, yeah, that we never talked about music stuff. Yeah, so I'm sure we have a lot in common just on the whole music thing. That we haven't even talked about, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I dug yeah into I'll be You know, Shafiq came down and uh, he did a set for, uh, you know, the the um, festival elevated him with you. I don't think you were here at the time. Uh, what you remember the name of the festival, uh, Chris? I can't even think of it right now. Uh, they would do it um, anyway. But yeah, he came down, did a thing, and the guy from J. Davey did too as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that was one of my things when I got here. My plan was to connect my people in L.A. with the scene here. 
or do L.A. type of stuff here. But a lot of people I got with, they were not feeling it. They were, I mean, I could have damn near drove down here and been like, look, I got three tons of gold on OST. I hit it. You have a truck. If you come with me, I'll give you a half a ton. And people are like, nah, that's all right. If you, why don't you get your own truck? You know what I'm saying? Because I don't have a truck. You got a truck. You know, that was kind of stuff I kind of ran into. But that was my plan to make, you know, to be a bridge between L.A. stuff and Houston. Well, I got to hear one you know, more time so. the story. This, this tells real quick the story of you're, you're hustling T-shirts. And you said people were mm. used to seeing people uh, going business to business. Because yeah. that also reminds me, like, there were dudes who would hustle, um, you know, bootleg cassettes and CDs and shit like that. But you're saying that they weren't they weren't into that, like, door-to-door kind of stuff at all? Or just the T-shirts? I'm going to say nothing, probably. I don't think it was, like, a commonplace thing. Like, when I moved here, I had cousins that had never been to Ross, never been to Marshalls. You know what I mean? Definitely were not thrift shopping. That's fairly new. You know what I mean? I came out here thrift shopping, you know. But, you know, remember we had that time, a little financial crisis thing that went on, and, like, a lot of stuff started to change. And more people started doing things differently. But, like, I made T-shirts, and I would go into barbershops and places, and it was really, like, they hadn't seen anyone come in like with shirts, like, hey, check these shirts out. They were really like, the hell are you doing in a barbershop? And I'm like, damn, in the barbershop at home, it's always somebody to slide through with something to sell. And that's not even me in LA, even though I was, I have my shirts with me all the time. I sell them wherever. So it, it kind of, you know what, when I think about it, man, I kind of got disheartened when I got here to Houston on a few levels, man. You know, because I, my movement and the way I moved, it seemed like I was moving too fast. But I, I wasn't. I just wasn't moving the speed other people were, you know, and um, kind of threw me off. But I'm back. I'm back. Yes, you are back. And um, just, you, you, yeah, you want to tell people, uh, like, where they can contact you, where they can listen to you, where they can, you know, yeah, get sure. Trey Brew coffee. Well, you already said that, but just all the other the ways they can contact you. All right, you can uh, you can find me at Risky Cereal, R I S K Y C E R E A L. So uh, <laughs> anywhere you find Risky Cereal, it should be me or else somebody is biting. My website will be coming soon. You guys, please go to my Instagram. You have an Instagram. Share, uh, share. You know, uh, Jennifer Fry with someone. Leave a comment if you like, but I I really appreciate the share. You know, and uh, you can go to YouTube and find it too and share it. You know, you guys check out uh, Camilo. We need to um, we need to make that available for people to see. You know what I mean? And set it up. I I gotta break it down to like three minutes so we can so we can boost it. Cause I think we like three thirty something. And no, no, actually that's just thirty three minutes. I'm tripping. I'm thinking of something different. Oh, so people still yeah, go check out the exhibit too. That's up through. Uh, yeah, people April? need to go check out the exhibit. Yes. No. Damn, I don't know. Um. Yeah, but you guys go check it out. I think it's 2512 Holman at PRH. Hopefully I'm giving you the right address. If it's not 2512, 2521, but I think 2512. You guys, again, keep listening to all, not keep listening, listen to all the radio. And if you are listening, please keep listening. Listen to our morning show, me and Decolonize, Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Central Time. We're on. We got a lot of good shows. Like today, we 
we have good shows. And if you're interested in having a show, get with us and uh, we can talk about it. And we're also, we're looking for salespeople, people that are interested in selling advertising space for the station. I mean, we'll, you know, what we're going to offer to people as compensation, you know, because we can't pay out of our pockets, but, you know, you can make from what you said. But what we're able to give you it exceeds what you'll get from anywhere else. You know, and it's, it's, it's cowboy land. It's a, it's a lot of frontier out there. We have the ability to show people that we have listeners to sell the space. Because, you know, all the other places that you go to for radio and such, you know, they're, they're going to hit you across the head. You know, we're going to be fair with you and, you know, cater a package towards you. Yeah, thank you, man. Uh, Uncle Rizzo, and uh, thank you, uh, Cam- Camilo. I-, I would say your name wrong, but I don't mean to. But um, I appreciate you guys being on the show. Let me be on you guys' show. And you know, if the people come get me because of the UFO shit, I know it's y'all. I know it- this was the reason. <laughs> this was the reason. Oh man, you good? X yeah. Files, baby. Hopefully, so. I'm gonna call my people. If they come get me, I'm gonna send. I'm gonna send the people after. I'm out there. <laughs> Those people. Okay. Um, well, uh, thank y'all for uh, taking part in this. And um, yeah, I think that. Yeah, let's add it like this. All right, y'all. Y- y- y'all have a good one and stuff. So, thank y'all.